So this is a translation from a recorded talk. So we see that all physical and mental phenomena have similar characteristics. So this body is something which uh, comes, stays for a bit, and then ceases. And all of the feelings that we gain that come into our hearts, all the happiness or the sadness, um, all emotions, whether they're skillful, unskillful, these are all things that arise, persist, and then disappear. They arise, they stay for a bit, and then they go. And it's always like this. It's always this way. That these things follow the law of anicca, dukkha, and anatta, of change, of unsatisfactoriness, of not-self. So we see that in this world, there are these worldly winds, for the eight worldly dhammas. So we have gain, and there's also loss. There's praise, and there's blame, there's fame, there's disrepute, there's uh, pleasure, and there's pain. So when the Buddha sat under the Bodhi tree, he sat upon eight bundles of grass. And what that meant was that he was sitting above these eight worldly dhammas. And so all of these that we experience, when we're born into this world, we, we gain these worldly dhammas. And so we should contemplate them and see that they abide by these three laws, these three characteristics of anicca, dukkha, and anatta. So whether that's gain, whether it's loss, whether it's praise, whether it's blame, etc., these all abide by these laws. And this is true for this body which we take to be me. Once we gain it, it starts to deteriorate and it carries on doing so, um, steadily losing the energy that it once had, losing its strength until it becomes weak. And in the end, it just falls apart. And this is something that's normal. This is a law of nature, a law of normality. And the nature of the world is to be this way. And this is true for all material substances within this world, that they abide by these laws. They are this nature, their condition is this way. And this is how the body is. It's something that's just a convention um, that's been brought up. And so we need to try to contemplate and study these things within our own hearts so that we get to know their truth, we get to know the Dhamma so that we're able to let go of all of the feelings that come up, all of the liking, all of the disliking. And however much we're able to let go, to put these things down, we'll be relieved from suffering to that degree. And so we train ourselves in meditation, and the samadhi is something that's very important, because the mind is something very important. And so we follow this path of sila, samadhi, panya, of virtue, collectedness, and of wisdom. And uh, when we train the mind to be firmly established in samadhi, then all of the external sense impressions, um, they aren't able to gain entry into the heart. And because the heart is imbued with peace, it settles and calm. And therefore we should take 
all of this physicality and mentality and contemplate it so that we see its truth clearly. We see that it really is, there really are things that change constantly. They're stressful, they're not self. They don't have any being, any uh, animal, any self, any other within them. And through perceiving things in this light, the mind becomes empty. If we have an us and a them, if we give rise to these notions, then the mind discriminates, it separates these things out. And so we need to contemplate to see that these things aren't really there. There isn't a me, there isn't a them. And through seeing in this way, the mind will become empty. The mind will attain to the Dhamma um, through seeing all physicality and mentality as being something, things that change, as being stressful, as being not-self. And so we should teach our minds and we should practice in order to bring the mind uh, to reach the Dhamma. But before we get there, before we gain that wisdom, we need to have samadhi. And in order to gain samadhi, we need to have virtue. And so we need to build up a lot of goodness to support our practice. We see that the generous acts which we do, the merit that we create, this gives us results right here in the present moment. It gives us happiness. And just like how if we don't eat for a long time, then we feel hungry. But then when we consume some food, then fullness arises right then and there. Or if we're feeling hot and we take a shower, then that coolness arises right then and there. And so merit is the same as this, that when we do it, then we feel an inner joy. And the opposite is true for the unskillful acts, for the harmful acts that we create. This brings the mind to suffering, to sadness. And um, the mind in this state is in an unskillful state. So we need to come to know both merit and demerit right here in this present moment first. And look at our minds, what are our hearts like right now? And we know whether the mind is imbued with merit or with demerit, whether it's giving rise to liking or disliking, we know that right here in this present moment. And then we come to build goodness in this present moment as well, bringing skillfulness to completion. And in order to bring it to completion, we need to cultivate the mind. And we can come to the monastery to do that. And we can do it at home. And it's important that we practice at home as well. We don't just do it at the monastery. And it's possible for us to practice in our households. And to train the mind so that it can gain this inner peace. Because throughout the space of just one single day, we receive so many sensations, so many sense objects that come into the mind via the eye, via the ears, via the nose, via the tongue, via the body. And these all flow into the heart. And if the mind is devoid of wisdom, then it will chase after all of these, and great chaos will ensue. But we can ask, is it these sense impressions that stir up the mind? Do these make the mind chaotic? We see that if we have mindfulness and wisdom, then they're not able to stir up the mind. It's only possible for them to make, or for the mind to become stirred up, if we don't have enough mindfulness and wisdom. Because the kilesas in the heart, 
coerce us into attaching to these sense impressions. So we need to come to train the mind. You see that one of the sayings of the Buddha is that the well-trained mind brings happiness. So we need to do this. We need to train it. And um, if we don't train our minds, then who will do it for us? We say that no one else, no one other than ourselves is able to train our own minds. We need to take this, the one who knows, the wisdom within ourselves to train ourselves, to train our minds. Because otherwise, the kilesas will always be causing us to suffer, and they'll just do this constantly. So we need to take the one who knows, we need to take this wisdom to train our minds, so that we gain knowledge that's up to speed with all of the sense impressions that we experience, that knows all of the conventions of the world. And we see that everything in this world, the entire world, is just a convention. We think that it's real, but it's not actually that way. So when wisdom comes up, then we'll gain a clear understanding of the teachings, the Dhamma of the Buddha. And for us, right now, we all are people with faith. We have this sata, this belief. We have a sense of conviction and of inspiration. And we have this faith in the Buddha. And even though we weren't born during the time of the Buddha, or maybe we were, but we just can't remember, we still have this faith in the fully self-awakened Buddha. Have faith that he was born in Lumpini Park, that he attains to the Dhamma in Bodhgaya, that he taught the Dhamma or set the wheel of Dhamma in motion um, in Varanasi, outside of Varanasi at the Deer Park. And then he carried on teaching this and taught others to practice this Dhamma until he went into Fauna Nibbana in Kusinara. So for us, we know about this. We know about the biography of the Buddha and we have faith in this. Faith in the Buddha, faith in his teachings that they really can take us to freedom from suffering. And we also have faith in the Noble Sangha, those people, those beings who practiced the Dhamma and attained to its fruits um, ever since the time of the Buddha right to this present day and age to Lumpuman, to Lumpucha, Rajancha. And so we have this faith, we have this belief. And uh, we see that the relics of these great teachers um, are still here, and they provide evidence for the purity of these beings, for the purity of Lumpuman, Lumpucha, that they really didn't have minds that were pure. And these relics, these pure elements, were able to come that way due to the purity that the Dhamma in their hearts gave them. So gaining this inner purity, they then went to teach the path that the Buddha taught. And they taught us that since we have faith, we should put that into practice. We should use that faith to cultivate goodness. We see that just one day passes by so quickly it really goes by in a flash, that this world spins around so fast, and one day passes, and then one week, 
then one month, one year, and in just a flash, it's gone. So for now, it's the rains retreat, two and a half months have passed, and there's just 15 days left. And if we turn our minds back to the beginning of this rains retreat, two and a half months ago, it feels like it's gone by so quickly. And so time just steadily falls away, steadily passes by. So what are we doing right now? And we should contemplate, ask ourselves, what are we doing right now? Have we brought skillfulness to completion? The goodness that we've created, is that enough yet? Have we developed virtue? Have we cultivated samadhi? Have we gained wisdom? Because if we don't gain this knowledge, then our mind will always be stirred up. It'll always be following all of these sense impressions. And there are so many of them in the world, so many impressions that look really enticing, that uh, pull the mind in, things that we like, things that we don't like. And it's just natural for the world to have these things. And when we gain something new in this world, and we see that there are many new things coming out all the time, then the mind can get really delighted by those things. But even though we may think they're new, they're just material elements of this world. And really there's nothing new at all in this world. There never is. Even though something may be very beautiful now, it may be very new now, but in no time it gets old. And so even though people may get born, and then from that they have to grow sick, they have to get old, they have to die. So we should look at these things through the angle or the viewpoint of the Dhamma and to see that this is their truth. And we may be happy over things, but we should have mindfulness with that happiness. Things may upset us, but we should have mindfulness there with being upset. Even though we may get involved in liking and disliking, we have mindfulness there. And we see that these things are just normal. These feelings are just normal things which appear within the mind. Things that arise, stay for a bit and cease, arise and cease, and they do this constantly. So we need to give our minds a firm foundation of peace. We see that all people in this world, they have greed, hatred, and delusion. And when these defilements increase, then the heat of the world, the agitation here, its stirred up nature increases as well. But within Buddhism, we gain these teachings that tell us, that point us to abandoning greed, hatred, and delusion. And so we should understand and see that in the time of the Buddha, things were this way as well. There were many different cities, many different kingdoms. Um, King Bimbisara, for example, ruled over the uh, Magadha kingdom. King Pasenadi ruled over his kingdom, and there were many different kingdoms. Uh, the kingdom of Avanti, uh, for instance. And when they had their different realms, their different bits of land, and then these kings would fight with one another, they would compete. And so this happened in the time of the Buddha as well. There was both happiness and suffering during the time of the Buddha as well. The people gained and they lost as well. 
So there was one time when King Basenadi, he uh, waged a war and he got defeated. And this was his karma. There was one time when Venerable Ananda went to go into, or try to enter his palace, uh, but he wouldn't allow him to come in. And this was uh, Kama that he created. And so after that, King Pasenadi went to go to uh, the Magadha kingdom and to enter the palace of King Bimbisara, but he wasn't allowed in. He couldn't gain entry into that. And so these are the, the kama that they create. So we need to gain an understanding that gain and loss, that praise and blame, status or fame, disrepute, uh, happiness and suffering. These are the ways of the world, the winds of the world, and we should come to contemplate these worldly dhammas, that they are this way. You see that when anyone gets born, then within that birth, or following on from that, is old age, sickness, and death. And we can't find any true essence to that. There's no core there. In order to find a core, we need to practice the Dhamma. And we see that these hearts, they have more value than anything else in the world. That there's nothing within the world that's able to compete with the heart, or able to match the goodness of a mind which has goodness to it. Of a mind that has faith in the Buddha, the Dhamma and the Sangha and has taken these as its refuge, that this has immense value to it. So when we have developed the mind, then it will gain purity uh, little by little and it will gradually meet with real, genuine happiness. So we see that even though we may gain a lot of money in this world, that it doesn't bring us happiness. You see that there are many people who are very wealthy, but they still suffer a lot. And poor people think that if they get money, then they'll be happy, but it's not true. This is a wrong view. And what we need to do is we need to come and develop our own hearts. We need to gain knowledge into our hearts so that they gain Dhamma. And through this, the suffering that we experience, the greed, hatred and delusion that we have in our hearts will steadily lessen. And the merit there within our hearts will increase. So the Buddha taught the Dhamma. He told us about the Dhamma. And so the people could gain wisdom. So having gained an understanding of the Buddha's teachings, we should put these into practice. We should build up goodness. We should develop skillful qualities. While we still have breath, while we still have some life left, we should do this. And then when our breath runs out, then we're not able to do any of this anymore. And that's okay, because we've already done it. We've already meditated a lot. We've already created a lot of goodness. We've already brought generosity, virtue, and mental cultivation to completion already. So we need to cut and polish our minds, just like we would a diamond. And this brings great value to our hearts. Or it's like a lotus that's 
born in the mud. And then it grows, and it rises up through the mud, and then through the water, and then rises above the water, and then it unfurls, and it releases a very uh, beautiful fragrance, and it has very beautiful colors to it. So we need to make our minds in this way as well, because these minds are very important. They're very excellent things. They can become noble things. So we should try to develop our minds, to cut and polish our mind as we would a diamond, so that they can become pure, so that they can get to know the Dhamma. And we do this through walking the noble path, this eightfold path, through walking this way of sila, samadhi, and banya. And when the mind walks this way, then it will meet with a genuine inner happiness. So if we live a family life, we must do so with a sense of moral integrity to have both sila and dhamma, that we can train a generosity together, we can uh, be virtuous together, we can meditate together. And through doing this, the whole family is working at cultivating parami together. And even though you may be lay people, it's still possible to gain knowledge of and gain understanding into the Dhamma. Seeing that all things arise, stay for a bit, and cease. And it's just looking at this breath is enough to see that. And see that there's an in-breath, and then there's a brief pause, and then there's an out-breath. And the Dhamma is just this. It's just seeing this breath. Seeing that when the breath goes, then the body dies. And that's all life is. And what can we take with us then? So we should contemplate in this way so that we become heedful. We see that life or birth leads to death. So what's the point in hating anyone? What's the point in having ill will towards anyone? Because every single person has to die. Everyone experiences suffering. It's enough already. There's no point in us increasing that. And so through seeing things in this way, then just naturally it brings up kindness and compassion, sympathetic joy and equanimity towards each other. So we should practice this way. So we come to develop our minds, to get to know the Dhamma. And uh, so we do this, we're always cultivating the mind, always bringing up a lot of goodness, a lot of merit, so that the mind can develop until it's able to see and know the Dhamma. And so this is probably enough explanation on the path of practice already, and may all of you develop in the Dhamma. <laughs>